You're listening to the audio from Tuesday Night Class at CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this teaching helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, so I wanted to read, to start things off, before I introduce you to our friend tonight, um, I want to read um, Ephesians chapter 6, which is, some of you know this passage. It's the armor of God. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Okay? So, um, tonight, we are going to be looking at... John Bunyan and Pilgrim's Progress. And so I want to begin by asking you a question. Here's a question, and then I'll, I'm actually, it's going to be ideal because I'll put you into breakout rooms, uh, rooms while I ask you this question, then I can set up my PowerPoint. Um, here's a question. What do you find, what do you find to be the biggest obstacle to your growth as a Christian? And why do you think that is? Okay? So what is the biggest obstacle to your growth as a Christian? And um, why do you think that is? Okay? This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to introduce you to John Bunyan and Pilgrim's Progress. So let's just dive right in. Uh, Tonight, we're going to do three things. Uh, We looked at that already. Uh, That's kind of a grainy picture of John uh, John John Bunyan. I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine, John Bunyan, and uh, no relation to Paul Bunyan. It's nothing to do with cutting down trees. Um, I want to introduce you to his most famous book. Look at this cool old copy that Hannah got me from England, The Pilgrim's Progress. This one, this particular one is from uh, 1890. I think I have one from early 1800s as well. I got three old copies of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. So I'm going to introduce you to Pilgrim's Progress, and I'm going to explore how this book can frame our spiritual life, okay? So let me first introduce you to our man, John Bunyan. He's born in a town called Estill near, near Bedford, and um, he's, he was the uh, oldest son of a tinker. There's something we don't see people do anymore. They're tinkers. And so what, what was a tinker? Does anybody know? Just unmute yourself if you know what a tinker is. Miscellaneous, miscellaneous handyman? Uh, miscellaneous handyman. He works with uh, kind of mechanical things of, of the time period. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, his uh, didn't grow up very rich at all. His dad was quite poor. Um, when he was young, he was 16 years old. He was actually joined the. Um, he had to join the military, the parliamentary military. Some of you know the history. We don't have to go. Uh, we don't have time to go into too much history. Um, Bunyan's years are pretty tumultuous years. The, the mid 1600s. That's the time of the English Civil War, where Charles the Second, uh, Charles the First, um, uh, lost his head over things. Actually, literally lost his head. Um, he was executed. You had uh, Oliver Cromwell kind of running things. It carries on for a while until um, Charles II um, is crowned king. So during this time, Bunyan actually works in the military for a bit. Um, he loved music. He was a lover of music, but he didn't have a lot of money. Um, but he was he was handy. So he made a violin out of um, out of uh, iron. He hammered out a violin. And when he was in prison, we'll talk about his prison time. But he took a, a leg of a chair and he made a um, made a uh, uh, flute out of that. Yeah, he was married twice. His first wife died. Um, we don't know her name. We don't know anything about her. Uh, they had four kids. One of the kids was uh, born blind. Uh, he later on he married a woman named Elizabeth. Actually, the first first wife is kind of interesting. I mean, they were poor, right? So his uh, his wife had to uh, give a, a dowry. They had to pay a dowry. And do you know what her dowry was? She, she had to give she had to give uh two puritan books as her dowry one was a book called the plain man's pathway to heaven and the other one called the practice of piety that's what she gave as her dowry to get married to uh to bunyan uh her se- his second wife uh, elizabeth um quite a remarkable woman they had a couple children together um yeah he was a tinker uh, he was married um his conversion's interesting uh, he tells you a little bit about how he got converted. He one time he's um, he's he's in a room and uh, outside he could hear three women. He heard three women talking, and as they're talking, he overhears them talking. I mean, he, he he knew these women. He knew they were poor. He knew that they were destitute, and yet they were speaking with such joy about who God is, and he overhears the joy that these women showed. And uh, he thought, man, there's something about this Jesus. There's something about these women. These women's lives have been transformed. And so that really got him thinking about uh, faith. And so he, later on he said, I thought they spoke as if joy made them speak. They spoke such pleasantness of the scripture language that uh, it's, it's like they had found a new world. And so he was, uh, he was drawn into that. Um, later on, later on, he has an opportunity uh, he's he's met and he's counseled by a, a, a pastor, uh, a Baptist, a Baptist pastor. Now, Baptists don't think Baptists today. They're a different, different breeds. So the, the big point about being a Baptist in the 1600s is that prior to 1670, um, you weren't allowed to preach. It was illegal. You had to be Church of England. And so um, you get in a lot of trouble. And that's what actually gets uh, Bunyan into trouble. Um, he actually moves uh, to Bedford and he begins to preach and he uh, takes up a ministry. Now, the problem is, is that he's an unauthorized preacher. And as an unauthorized preacher, um, he's arrested. And so he gets arrested in, uh, in 1660 for holding an illegal religious meeting. Something like uh, what would happen is if we tried to start church next week. 
Sorry. Too soon. Um, yeah, so he's, he's arrested. Um, he's initially uh, arrested, supposed to stay in prison for three months. But what he does is they, they keep asking him. They, they want to let him loose. They're like, all right, just say you're not going to preach anymore. He's like, I can't say that. I, gotta, I, I have to preach. I have to preach the gospel. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to have to keep you in jail. Well, he stays in prison for 12 years. 12 years. I actually had a chance to visit his, um, his church um, in Bedford. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Where am I here? How can I stop? Oh, there we go. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the time you... There's his church. Yeah, that's what I wanted to show you. Uh, so that's his church. Yeah, I had a chance to visit it. And then, um, yeah, so he's in prison in 1660, released in 1672. We think he wrote Pilgrim's Progress somewhere between 1667 and 1672. Now, you have to realize Pilgrim's Progress, he writes this book. He writes a number of books. Uh, 1672, he's okay because the new king um, allows for um, basically dissenters, people who are not Church of England, to preach. And so he, he, it's okay for him to preach. Um, he, so he ends up writing a number of books um, during his lifetime. He wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Now, you have to realize this book was a runaway bestseller by any standards. In 1692, do you know how many copies of Pilgrim's Progress were, were out? 100,000. 100,000 copies. Um, in, in China, it's interesting. In China, I think it was in the 1980s when Deng Xiaoping kind of opened China up a little bit, they thought, well, it'd be good for the Chinese to un understand a little bit about Western culture, a little bit about their literature. And so they introduced, uh, they, they, uh, they printed in Chinese uh, Pilgrim's Progress. And um, the, uh, it sold 200,000 copies in three days. I mean, this is a huge seller, absolutely huge seller. Um, and, and there's a reason why it was such a big seller, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, just very quickly, just unmute yourself if you've read it. How many of you have read it? Just I want to hear how many voices. I've read it. I've read it. I love it. I've read it and taught it. All right. Oh, I hear that. I've read, read it. I've read it enjoyed it. Read it to my daughter for uh, bedtime. Read it and didn't enjoy it. <laughs> who said that who said that? i can't see <laughs> so a lot of people have read it that's good uh but uh, you know my guess is that a lot of you have not read it a lot of you maybe heard of it and maybe know some ideas about it but uh, maybe haven't really read it from from cover to cover i've read it a number of times um i really like it and this this time i read it um i got even more out of it than i have ever gotten before so let me just tell you a little bit about uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Um, yeah, it's a runaway bestseller. Uh, I love this, uh, this, this cover that I have here. It is by um, a guy named Gary Schmidt, and he does a uh, retelling of this story with different illustrations. And, oh, man, that's the one I, I wore out with my kids. I read that one over and over again for them. Um, so there's a main character. His name is Christian, right? And um, so, yeah, so Christian... So Bunyan has a dream, and in his dream, he dreams of this man named Christian. And Christian is seeking nothing less than salvation. Um, and so Christian sets off on a journey. 
And uh, as he heads off on a journey, he's burdened by this weight that's on his back. And the weight is this, is this crushing weight. And the further he goes, the heavier the weight is. And the weight is his sin. I mean, basically, it's, it symbolizes his sin. The further he goes, the more crushed he is. He, uh, he, he, before he leaves town, he realizes his town. I mean, that should have been the giveaway. His town is called City of Destruction. Not a great name. Um, but, uh, I mean, everything in Pilgrim's Progress is, is symbolizes stuff. But so he leaves the city of destruction. He tells his wife, tells his kids, we got to go. Our city is going to be destroyed. We need to get saved. His wife laughs at him. Kids don't listen. The town mocks him. He sets out on his own because he's reading this book and he's trying to figure out what the book is all about. And so he sets off and the weight gets heavier and heavier. And if that wasn't difficult enough, he ends up um, coming up to this big hill. He has to climb this big hill. And this weight is bearing down on him. Now, the good news, the good news is that this hill is a little bit different. Um, it's different because on top of the hill, Christian finds something. He finds a cross. And this is what happens. Let me read, read, read to you. Just give you a little flavor of, uh, of this. Um, now, I saw in my dream that that the highway up um, which Christian was to go was fenced on either side of a wall that was called Salvation. Um, Christian went up, up to a place stood a cross, and a little below at the bottom, a cave or a, um, a, a, a sepulcher. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, his burden, loose from off his shoulders, fell from his back, began to tumble, and continued to do so until it came to the mouth of the cave where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then Christian was glad, and he said with a merry heart, He has given me rest for his sorrow and life by his death. And so he looks up, he sees a cross. As he looks at the cross, as he looks at the cross, his, um, his, the, the stubborn knots um, that wouldn't come loose are suddenly loosened. The weight he had been carrying falls off, tumbles down the hill, settles on, in the mouth in a nearby tomb. Christian is set free from his burden, and uh, and he and and he's and he's and he's full of joy. He's full of joy. It's funny. I, I it's not funny. I, I remember when I first became a Christian all those years ago, living in Shanghai, and I was just feeling the weight of my sin. I really did feel the weight of my sin. I was living a life that was just a horrible life. I was hurting a lot of people, and and it was just a messed up life. And I remember. When I prayed in a hotel room in Shanghai, I remember just praying, saying, God, if you're the real thing, I'm in, I'm in. And I remember praying, and I felt that weight coming off my back. I felt this, this, this sense of being unburdened. Uh, has anybody else ever had that experience? Yeah, you can see, I see some heads nodding, yeah. Amen. Amen, yeah. Well, Christian, he's so delighted, right? He's delighted, he's free from his burden, tears are streaming down his face, and he's full of joy. Immediately after this, he's... He's um, he's uh, he finds there's three shining ones. We, not, we might represent the Trinity. We're not sure. They give him three gifts. And what are the three gifts? They give him one, the promise of sins forgiven. Two, new clothes to replace his rags. Three, a roll with a seal to present as he arrives at the celestial gates. So those are the three gifts that he's given. And so it's such a story. It's such a story of going from darkness to light. Um, heavy burdens are removed. Uh, he's set free and reminds me of the song, At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. 
It was there by faith I received my sight, it should say, not sigh. And now I am happy all the day, right? And is that not the story of most conver- or so many conversion stories from start to end? Usually goes something like this. I, I felt the weight of my sin and then I understood grace and then through faith and I came before the cross and my sin was forgiven and I was set free and I was alive. I was a new creation. Amen? Amen. But here's the thing. This story of the cross takes place on page 57. And it's one page. One page in the entire Pilgrim's Progress. And that should get our attention. Because what Pilgrim's Progress is all about, um, it's interesting that the, the cross is not the climax of the book. Now, the cross shapes the book, absolutely. But it's not the climax of the book. And uh, and I think here's the, I mean, this is the, the big idea that we have to get our heads around when we're, when we're looking at uh, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And it's this, is that obsession with the mo- moment of conversion can blind us to the movement of conversion. Obsession with the moment of conversion can blind us to the movement of conversion. That's how Mark Harris, the way he puts it. And it's important to see this because in the book, very little attention is actually given to Christian's conversion experience. That, like half a page, that's about it. Most of the book is about the Christian life. And most of the book describes how Christian is going to get from the cross to the celestial city, to his home. And I think, I think it reminds us of some pretty important things about the Christian life. And uh, I want to unpack some of those tonight. Um, any comments, questions? Just jump in if you want to. Just unmute yourself. I may not be able to see it because I got the screen in front. I got my uh, my PowerPoint in front of me. Well, one of the things we need to remember is that the Christian life is about our entire life, not just the moment of conversion. And sometimes in the church, we focus so much on the moment of conversion. It's like, hey, they're saved. And then we don't think anything more about that. But really, the Christian life is about our whole life following Jesus. And that's what I love about Pilgrim's Progress. It is about the life faith. And you get this, you get some of the challenges uh, right from the get-go. I mean, even before, even before, um, even before uh, Christian, that's the main character, before Christian uh, encounters a cross, it's not easy for him. Uh, Leading up to the place of conversion, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, he almost gets overwhelmed in the slew of despond. Um, He almost, yeah, he gets almost swept away there or almost uh, sinks into it. Um, he finally arrives at this uh, home of the person named Goodwill. Well, Goodwill um, sees that Christian is just, he's, he's endangered. These arrows are being shot at him. And so this tells us that Goodwill actually grabs hold of Christian to pull him inside. And then we realize, we see on the outside, is that the evil one, or the evil demonic forces, are trying to take him down even before he gets to the cross. And uh, now I'm giving away, but uh, I mean, later on in this uh, class, we're going to look at uh, C.S. Lewis. But I remember in C.S. Lewis's uh, screw tape letters, Lewis uh, talks about um, the dangers. It's, if you know the story of screw tape letters, it's about an experienced demon um, 
teaching an inexperienced demon on how to tempt a new Christian. And in the book, um, he talks about this, this person who just starts thinking about things of faith and the way the evil one gets after him. He says, you know, this is such an important topic. You should never be thinking about something so important on an empty stomach. Wait till after supper and then think about these spiritual things. Well, he never gets back to it. And it reminds us that, that often people who are on their way to, uh, to Christ, um, that the evil one will do all sorts of things to take you out even before you get to that point. And I'll tell you, um, Pilgrim's Progress, it captures that really, really well. Um, yeah, that was even my, my own story. Um, yeah. So Bunyan, um, he gets this. And uh, now the good thing about Pilgrim's Progress is you have an idea what, what the character of the person is by their name. And so you got people's like uh, worldly wise men, uh, pliable, obstinate, legality. <laughs> uh, some of the names I actually had to look up. One of the guys' name is, is Pickthank. And I'm like, what in the world is Pickthank? Anybody know what Pickthank is? Lori, I bet you know what Pickthank is. Or Barry, I can see you probably know. Does anybody know what Pickthank means, to be Pickthank? No. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Well, let me tell you. To be a Pickthank is to be a telltale, to be a gossip. There you go. You got a, a new new word for you. So if somebody starts gossiping, it's just don't be a pick thank. And you can pick thank me for that uh, that idea. Um, so what do we got? Um, yes, but you also get some good names of people helping a uh, Christian along the way. Evangelist, Goodwill, and a guy named Help. But after after um, Christian comes to faith, well, then the trouble really begins. And so what I would like to do is look at uh, some of the some of the themes that uh, that we come across. Uh, what are the key themes in the, in the book? Well, the first theme is the theme of wayfaring. And uh, it's an old term, but uh, Bunyan depicts the Christian life as a pilgrimage. And we'll be looking at that uh, even more next week. As a journey towards a destination. How many of you ever heard the expression, uh, oh, he's just sauntering about? Does anybody know uh, what, uh, have you heard that expression, you know, don't saunter, oh, I just sauntered about. Does anybody know what saunter means? That's another cool word. Does anybody know? Yeah, it means to like kind of walk slowly. or like. Yeah, that's the, that's the way we use it. He's sauntering, he's moving slowly. But does anybody know what the word, where the word comes from? Sorry, I should have been more specific. Sounds French, I think. Yeah. It means santer, which means a saint of the earth, which means a pilgrim. So when you saunter, next time you're sauntering, it's just like, hey, I'm just being a pilgrim. Um, the whole story of Pilgrim's Progress is about uh, a pilgrimage, about a man sauntering towards the celestial gates. And uh, he begins with the question, you know, what shall I do to be saved? Sets off from his hometown, the city of destruction, again, an awkward name. Um, now, he sets out alone, which is really interesting. He sets out alone. His own family mocks him. The town thinks he's crazy. Even the town actually tries to prevent him from leaving. And I think it's an important theme in the Christian life. Um, because I think what Bunyan is teaching us is that every one of us, every one of us has to personally say yes or no to Jesus. Every one of us needs to personally be on a pilgrimage um, before God. Yes, community matters. And we'll talk about that. Community really matters in Pilgrim's Progress. 
But the reality is that you, is that you and I do not die in community. We, we, we die alone. We die personally. And personally, we have to stand before our maker. And Bunyan's he's, he's emphasizing this because everybody in the town says, stay, you're crazy, you're crazy. His own family says, you're crazy, you're crazy. He's like, I got to go. I have to go. I have to answer this question. What can I do to be saved? Very powerful. So wayfaring is a key thing. But the other one is, is warfaring. And it's a Christian life is not just a pilgrimage, but it is a battle. That's why I begin with Ephesians 6. Now, this is a key theme. I've, I've, I've shown this picture before um, when I've preached. It's a, I love the picture. Um, if the evil one was to trip you up, what was one of the main ways he'd do so? It's a, it's a personal question. It's a, tough, it's a tough question. But if he's to trip you up, what? You know, would he go after your mind? Would he go after your heart? Would he go after your circumstances? After your kids? After, I mean, well, how would how would he mess you up? What? Where's your weakness? What I love about this picture is it has this uh, this knight, and he's surrounded by all these demonic forces, but his eyes are fixed straight ahead. He will not turn aside. He's looking straight ahead. Um, yeah, I think that's a key theme. So let me set you up in your groups. Anybody want to share? And I think about. Uh, About what, uh, how the evil one would, would trip you up? Does anybody have any comments? Anybody want to share? I will. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's Lori. Um, I see you, Lori. <laughs> I recognize your voice, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, one of the things that I mentioned in, in our group is, um, you can go along thinking your faith is just fine and then, you know, some something that's fearful or that makes you very anxious, something that's very scary can intrude in your life and all of a sudden you're going, where is my faith? Yeah. And and I find that, you know, those things can really, they can make you stronger, but uh, in the process, uh, it's something that can truly trip you up, I've found anyway. Yeah, no, I think that's good because, um, I mean, sometimes it's... Uh, Yeah, I think in in light of the, um, the 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 crisis that we're in right now, I mean, one of the things that that has taught me is that um, so much of my spiritual strength, so much of my spiritual well-being, is actually um, is actually based on me being having things under control. And since things have gone out of control, I find spiritually thrown off. And I'm like, well, what's going on? I mean, I got all sorts of time to garden. I got time to, you know, where, where I'm. Um, sorry, Jonathan, there may be people at the door. I don't know if there are people at the door. I just see this, this number three at the top. I don't know. I'm not sure what that means. Um, so, but I, I find that um, this lack of control has really thrown me off. And I realized that how much of my faith was really me feeling strong and how much of me was, was really just things being normal, things being smooth, and there's no waves, right? And uh, because I've, I've felt a real profound sense of um, of, of um, disorientation since since this uh, pandemic has hit. And even though I'm not busy, I mean, we're not that busy. In, in, it's, it's different, right? We're all having supper at home. I'm not driving people around. And we're not trying to juggle schedules. We Actually, our schedules are, are looking pretty good. But I feel thrown off, and I just and I wonder how much of my uh, this sense of control is, and, and when the evil one throws throws things off like that, if that uh, doesn't mess me up spiritually. Yeah. 
Anybody else want to share anything? You made a good point, David, in that uh, I like to control. I like to know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And right now, where is the light? It's not there. They keep yeah. saying six months, a year, two years, three years, four years, if ever. And my spirituality and going into the Word is very important to me now to keep me on track to know who is in control. Yeah. It's not the evil one. Yeah. It's the superior one. Yeah. And sometimes that seed gets in there saying, really? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. No, and that's, that's the hard part. That is good. Yeah. 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 It's a, these are tough times. And but and this is where, I, I again, a, a real good pe- companion is this uh, is John Bunyan. I mean, he really helps us unpack uh, the nature of spiritual warfare, how it works. One of the things that happens, and I think this is fascinating, um, um, one of the battles that Christian fights right after he, beca- he comes to faith is with um, Apollyon. Um, and uh, it, it's this depiction, I mean, Apollyon, you come across the name in, in Revelation, but here it's a depiction of, of a monster or something of doom. Now you can see, we see what he looks like. Right? And um, so what happens is uh, Christian, he encounters him. And Apollyon, the way he goes after Christian is really interesting. How are we doing for time? Uh, okay, I can just, I'll do, read, read a little bit from this. Um, page 87. Yeah, so Apollyon comes up and he tries, and he goes after Christian and he says, um, Apollyon says, I'm an enemy. Uh, I, I hate Jesus. I hate his laws. I hate his people. He goes, I've come, out, I've come here to stand against you. And Christian says, hey, be, beware of what you do, for I'm on the king's highway, the way of holiness, so take heed of yourself. And Apollyon straddles in front of him. And he says, he goes, I'm not afraid. He goes, you prepared to die. He goes, he goes why would you change allegiances so easily? He goes, you, 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 are, you are with me. And, and now you feel free to change allegiances. Like, what, you know, what's to stop you from changing your allegiance again? He basically goes after him. He says, is this whole Christian thing even real, because you and I, there's a Paul, and he says, you and I, were on the same side. We got along just fine. And now all of a sudden, you're into this King's Highway stuff. Why don't you just, you know, what's to stop you just from changing your mind again and come back on my side? And he actually really goes after Christian, and Christian is almost overwhelmed. But it's an interesting way, it's an interesting strategy, because the evil one says, how could you forsake my ways? Um, you and I, we, we were hand in glove. Things were great. Why, why, why are you suddenly acting this new way? And uh, so he calls him back to allegiance to himself. And so it's a real battle right from the get-go uh, for Christian. And it reminds me, when I first came to faith, my background, as some of many of you know, it was, it was um, not Christian. It was atheist. I was a, practiced a lot of things that I shouldn't have practiced. Um, into some Eastern meditation stuff and stuff that I shouldn't be doing. And um, one of the things that shortly ha- that happened shortly after I became a Christian is uh, I experienced incredible spiritual uh, oppression, kind of like this Apollyon. Basically, this thought, you know, how could you, you know, is this even real? Why are you bothering with Jesus? Things were so much better the old way. Why are you making things so hard for yourself? And I totally get this. And uh, I know many of you, and I know many of you, have shared similar experiences in your own life. Um, it's really interesting. But Bunyan, he, he sees it, and he puts it right at this spot. 
Um, and then so he has this battle with Apollyon, and then you think things are going to get better, but they don't. He gets uh, he goes to the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Now it's interesting. On the pilgrimage, it becomes very clear that the way to the celestial city is through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. There's no way around it. You go through it. And I love the picture on the left because what happens is Christian, as he's walking, as he's walking, he hears these thoughts about God and he hears these thoughts about Jesus and he has a question. He goes, is this, is this me thinking this? Is this, is this coming from in here? Why, why would I think such horrible thoughts about God? And it's not. You see in the back, somebody's whispering into his ear. And he's unable to distinguish what is coming from within and what's coming from without, which again is a strategy of the evil one. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but a couple of weeks ago I was, um, I was, uh, at my desk where I am right now and I was, I was trying to pray and I had these horrible, horrible, blasphemous thoughts going through my head. I'm like, what? You know, I'm supposed, and I'm supposed to be praying. It's not like I'm doing, like this is the time I'm supposed to pray. And I just these horrible thoughts. And I thought, wait a second, wait a second. This is not coming from here. This, I don't know where it's, it's there's spiritual influence here. And I really prayed for, uh, for protection. And that's another strategy of the evil one. He, he confuses you. It's like, is this, is this me or is this coming from, from, from somewhere else? Um, so, I think that's that's something to uh, to to pay attention to. You have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death in order to get to the celestial gates, which I think is a big word in our therapeutic culture. Um, why is Christian able to keep going? Well, he's able to keep going for two reasons, actually three reasons. One, he realized that when he walks through the valley of shadow of death, he's not alone. Secondly, um, he realizes, so he realizes other people walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Secondly, he knew God was with him. And thirdly, he hoped by traveling through it, he, he would encounter a companion for the journey. And, uh, which is the next point is that, uh, is that the Christian life is never lived out alone. And boy, that comes through in, in Pilgrim's Progress so well. Um, Christian would not have made it to the celestial city if it wasn't for his one friend, he ends up dying, a um, friend named Faithful and his other friend named Hopeful. And um, and so, or Helpful, sorry, not Hopeful. Helpful. And um, Helpful or Hopeful? Sorry. It is. Uh, so I got to take a look here. I'm still talking to Paulian. Lori, is it? I don't know. I just had, suddenly had a brain freeze. I think it's it. hopeful. It is hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I said helpful. It, it, hopeful. it is hopeful because there's a guy named Help, and I always get, yeah, it's hopeful. Yeah, so his friend Hopeful and his friend Faithful um, are the reasons why he makes it. And it's, it's an interesting interplay of each person helping each person along the way. When one stumbles, the other one lifts them up. When the other one stumbles, the other one lifts them up. It's really interesting. And uh, that's what Bunyan's saying. He says, hey, man, we don't go through this life alone, even though it is a personal pilgrimage between you and God, but we do this in community, and it's absolutely key. Um, the other thing is that there's many, uh, oh, yeah, there's many points along the way, where, or there's many points in the journey where we can lose our way. This is one of my favorite uh, pictures. There's a guy named Talkative. And he loves to talk about things spiritual. Hey, he can talk about things spiritual with the best of them, but he doesn't believe any of them. 
He just likes talking about them. I'm like, hmm, yeah, sounds sounds interesting. Um, so he, enter, he encounters all these people that all um, are potentially throw them off the way. So he comes across a guy named uh, Talkative. Um, they visit Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair is uh, is this town that they have to go through and things are bought and sold. And where they try to capture your heart with things that are empty and meaningless. And so they say when Christian and faithful, when they arrive at Vanity Fair, they stick out like a sore thumb. They don't dress like the people. They're not interested in buying things that the people are interested in. They're not interested in any of the way of life that the people are interested in. And that does what? That makes everybody mad. These people stand out. They stand out in society because they're not buying into what they, we think they should buy into. And so, sure enough, they get arrested, and uh, Faithful actually gets uh, gets killed as a result. Man, that spoke to me in the, in our modern age, um, how tempting it is to blend in and how hard it is to stand out. Uh, one of the key points in the whole book is this point right towards the end where they are captured by giant despair. Giant despair. And it's a fascinating story where Christian and um, hopeful, yeah. Um, they're close to the end of the journey. Which, And again, this is Bunyan's point. He says, you know, right when you get close to the end, that's when you're going to face some of the biggest challenges in the Christian life. Like they are close to the celestial city, but this is where they experience such challenges. And they almost don't make it. They get captured by giant despair and they fall into giant despair where they are beaten to a pulp and giant despair, basically, his wife recommends this, and he goes back and he just says to them, he says, you know what? You guys aren't ever going to get out. You're never going to arrive at the celestial city. Your best bet is to just kill yourself. Kill yourself. Every day he comes back to him, just kill yourself. And I think it's really interesting. Well, I mean, the question would be, how many of you um, have sometimes been so overwhelmed by heaviness that you're ready to give up? And as a pastor, I've, I've seen a lot of people like really far on in the journey be overcome by this sense of heaviness, this weightiness. And they, and, and they want to walk away from their faith. And I think that's one of the things that Bunyan's getting at. He says, man, right towards the end, you be careful because that's some of the biggest challenges. Now, what, what helps them get through this? What helps them get through this? Two things. One is memory where they kept reminding each other who they belonged to. And secondly, is friendship, because they both spurred each other on. They both encouraged each other. And so they get free, and, uh, and, and then they're really close to the celestial gates, and who do they run into? Oh, oh yeah, they run into a flatterer. <laughs> um, and they get uh, caught into the nets. And you look at it, it looks like an angel of light. And so they're, they're drawn in because they think it's, it's an angel directing them, but it's not, it's a, it's, it's darkness, high, uh, disguising himself as an angel of light. So it's again, not everything, all that glitters is not gold, right? And so you'd be careful. And so they get caught up into this web. And then they're really close to the celestial gate and they bump into this fella. I love this picture. Um, this is atheist. And atheist says, where are you guys going? Well, we're going to the celestial gate. He goes, you still believe in the celestial gate? There's no celestial gate. That's that's just that's ridiculous. Who, who believes in these things anymore? This is right towards the end. 
and uh, man, they uh, they almost get tripped up there, and then they end up in this uh, enchanted land where they're sleepy, where they almost are going to fall asleep, and if they fall asleep, they're going to die. And as again, they each spur each other on. They say, "Don't you dare fall asleep." And this is where where uh, hopeful um, helps um, Christian. He says, "Don't fall asleep." And again, how many people do we know later on in the Christian journey who grow sleepy spiritually? And fall asleep within sight of the gates. Yikes! That's what that's what Pilgrim's Progress is getting at. It is such a powerful story. Uh, it, it's it's a challenge for you and I not to grow sleepy and to encourage one another even when we're feeling sleepy. And uh, and even when they get to the gates, all, almost at the gates, here all uh, when they're almost at, they still have to cross this river. And uh, Christian, wearing his uh, armor, he gets overwhelmed. He almost drowns. And again, Hopeful rescues him and helps him get across the river. And uh, a couple other things in, in, in the book is, um, is, the, is, the, is the place of word and worship. All throughout the, the entire book is just saturated in God's word. At every, it's either being quoted or being referenced all the way through it. And after each episode, after each, each kind of... Um, experience that they go through at the end of that experience is interesting they, they worship and and that's how the book is structured it has these little pieces of worship after each each episode so word and worship are key um and it, so i think the story <coughs> the story of pilgrim's progress is a story of sanctification um that uh, at every stage you and i will run the risk of forgetting whose we are and who we are following um, and I think that's still our challenge. And we've talked about this before, but the power of modernity, the power of our modern world, the power of what we're facing right now with this pandemic is for you and I to put more faith in Bonnie Henry than in Jesus. Now, I'm not, that's not a shot at Bonnie Henry, but she's not Jesus. Um, that put our more faith in, in, in science, more faith in, in this and this and this than, than in Jesus. Um, and there's lots of ways that you and I can be thrown off the journey. You and I all have family members that think we're crazy for following Jesus. Right? We all have experienced Apollyons in our life that so doubt in our minds whether or not Jesus really has made a difference. You and I live in a place called uh, Vanity Fair. Well, it's called Coquitlam, but it's also known as Vanity Fair. And if we're honest, um, sometimes it's tempting to just fit in. It's, it's hard sticking out all the time. Um, you know, we practice social distancing and isolation to the point where we're utterly alone. And we stop friendship because it's too difficult. I'm tired of Zoom. I don't want a friendship. Right? Uh, yeah, we can't do that. I mean, they, I said this in so many, I say this probably in every class, but the main strategy of the evil one is to convince you that you're the last Christian on earth. Because if he gets you to the point where you think you're the last Christian on earth, he's got you. And so we need each other. And we're in trouble when we stop worshiping, when we stop uh, immersing ourselves in God's word. Um, sometimes we feel overwhelmed and we feel this heaviness and we don't know where it's coming from. We need to recognize Pilgrim's Progress helps us recognize where it comes from. We grow spirit, uh, sleepy spiritually. Uh, we stop praying. And uh, we listen to people who tell us all along the way that this is all a lie. This is all a lie. There is no celestial city. You're wasting your time. God is not real. 
And so it's easy to feel overwhelmed, especially in these uncertain times. That's why we need companions, need companions along the way. And that's why our man, our man, John Bunyan, is such a good companion. Thanks for participating in this class. If you've been engaging in classes online, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.